welcome to the Whistleblower Newsroom. I'm Christina Borgeson. Today, you're going to hear several voices talking about the U.S. government colluding with big tech to rob Americans of their freedom of speech and, ultimately, of the democracy that used to define what it means to be American in the so-called land of the free. First, you'll hear Missouri Senator Josh Hawley grilling Facebook executive Christopher Cox about Facebook colluding with the government to censor people they deem are purveyors of, quote, misinformation. Then, author and women's health journalist Naomi Wolf will talk about how she learned after being deplatformed that she had been targeted for censorship by the CDC and that her work was even discussed at the White House. She'll also be sharing the information that got her deplatformed. Finally, Dr. Paul Alexander, former COVID pandemic advisor for the Trump administration, will briefly explain how and why accurate science was suppressed within the government's health agencies, which in turn led to the creation of the huge information suppression machine referred to as the collusion between big tech and government. It focused primarily, but not solely, on attacking any reports containing accurate science that caused vaccine hesitancy by documenting that vaccines were not only unsafe and ineffective, but dangerous. The entire interview with Dr. Alexander will air on a later Whistleblower Newsroom show, but in the meantime, he has written an excellent article about the censoring of Naomi Wolf titled, The Ministry of Truth Strikes Again, They Can Run for Cover, But They Cannot Hide from Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt or Dr. Naomi Wolf. That article can be found on his website, drpaulalexander.com. So first, here's Senator Hawley questioning Facebook's Christopher Cox. Senator Hawley. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Cox, I know that Facebook has said in the past that it's their position as a private company. You're not subject to the First Amendment. I, I assume that hasn't changed. Is that right? That's correct, Senator. But uh, the United States government is subject to the First Amendment. I think we can probably all agree on. Hopefully we can. Hopefully that's still true in this country. Um, is it appropriate for Facebook to work with the United States government to avoid the First Amendment, help the U.S. government avoid the First Amendment? Uh, Senator, we do think it is uh, sometimes appropriate to be in contact with government and with government organizations. To help them avoid the First Amendment? Senator, I'm not sure what what specifically you're referring to. Mm. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think it's appropriate to work with the United States government to target private individual speech that is constitutionally protected? Senator, I'm not aware of, of that. Mm. Well, let me, um, let me educate you. On July 16th, 2021, Facebook, an employee at Facebook wrote to the Department of Health and Human Services saying, and I quote, I know our teams met today to better understand the scope of what the White House expects from us on misinformation going forward. On July 23rd, 2021, a Facebook employee thanked HHS, quote, for taking the time to meet earlier today 
and wanted to make sure you saw the steps we just took this past week to adjust policies and what we are removing with respect to misinformation. This included, and I'm still quoting, increasing the strength of our demotions for COVID and vaccine-related content. On April 7th, 2021, a Facebook employee thanked the CDC for responding to misinformation queries, and I quote, we'll get moving now to be able to remove all but that one claim as soon as the announcement and authorization happens. On July 28th of this year, a Facebook employee reached out to CDC about, quote, doing a monthly misinfo debunking meeting. The CD responded, yes, we would love to do that. Sure they would. On July 20th, 2021, Clark Humphrey at the White House, who's digital director of the COVID-19 response team, emailed Dave Sumner at your company, among others, asking any way we can get this pulled down and cited a specific Instagram account Within 46 seconds, your company responded and said, yep, on it. That sounds like what in the law we call a pattern and practice of meeting, coordinating, and colluding with the United States government to target particular speech that no one in any of these emails alleges is incitement, which would not be constitutionally protected, no one in any of these emails alleges it directly encourages violence, which would not be constitutionally protected. So it appears to all be constitutionally protected speech on, I might add, very politically sensitive topics that Facebook is directly working with the U.S. government to target and remove. Is that your company policy to do this kind of thing? Senator, we were, we were quite public about our uh, cooperation with uh, health organizations during the unprecedented time of covid we knew that people expected and wanted accurate information on our platform. We had conversations with the CDC, with the World Health Organization, and with other public health organizations, not just in the U.S., but abroad, in order to understand how to help sure, make sure that folks weren't getting information that could cause imminent harm. Fair enough. So you're saying that this, this was, in fact, company policy to have these kinds of meetings with HHS, with the CDC, with the White House directly, that you did engage in, in this behavior, and you think that it was entirely fine. Is that your testimony? Senator, I do believe it's appropriate for companies like ours to be in consultation with public health organizations and with government. And, and you, you can confirm that things like taking down a private Instagram account and uh, adjusting your policies at the behest of, of the White House— uh, and putting into place misinformation policies at the behest of CDC, that, that those things you think are appropriate. This was company policy to do so. Is that fair to say? Senator, I'm not familiar with the Instagram account specifically that you're referencing, but we do know that people expected and hoped from the platforms that we would help them get accurate information about COVID during the unprecedented time, especially at the beginning. Well, isn't there a difference between you as a platform putting forward information and censoring your users at the behest of the White House, the administration more broadly, and the CDC? Isn't there a distinction there? We specifically... Uh, wanted to work with public health experts to understand the relationship between information and behavior. And so we did consult with the CDC, the World Health Organization, and others uh, to understand how the, the platform policies we built were affecting public health. Well, you didn't, just, you didn't just consult with them to understand how they affected public health. You actually censored on their behalf. I mean, you, you took these emails. I'm just quoting from a sample of them, which, by the way, have been disclosed in litigation. 
these these emails show that you took censorship steps, you took down accounts, you planned misinformation policies, you adjusted your policies at the behest of the United States government. I mean, that, that's not just some theoretical thing. That's actually targeting your user's speech. But you're saying, I appreciate your forthrightness, by the way. So, but you're saying that, that was, you think that's fine and that was your policy. Senator, we, we've been public about our policies on COVID misinformation specifically, as well as on misinformation generally. And so you think there's not, you're not concerned about any of this? Nothing that I just read to you, you're not concerned about it at all? Respectfully, Senator, I think the balance of how to protect free expression as well as public safety is a difficult issue. But it's one we're committed to working with outside experts and publishing our work. Well, um, I appreciate you being so forthright. As I said, this is actually from litigation between the state of Missouri and the state of Louisiana and the federal government. I, I anticipate that your remarks under oath today are going to be very interesting and helpful to that litigation. I'll just say this. My view is, is that the United States government is bound by the First Amendment. They cannot encourage or coerce or incite or collude with a private party to get around the First Amendment, but you just said to me today that that's basically what they did, that you coordinated with them repeatedly over a pattern of months and years to adjust and target your speech policies for protected speech at the behest of the United States government. I have to tell you, I've got a big problem with that, and I think all your users should too. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Now, on to author and women's health journalist, Dr. Naomi Wolf, who talks about how she became a victim of the government and Big Ted collusion to censor her work about how the vaccines were adversely affecting women's reproductive health in large numbers. In June, May and June of 2021, last year, I began to post on Twitter where I had uh, nearly 150,000 followers that women were reporting um, menstrual symptoms subsequent to receiving the mRNA vaccines. Um, and these were very serious. They weren't like, you know, I had cramps for a month and then that's that. They were, you know, horrific. Many, many accounts of postmenopausal bleeding, uh, which anyone who knows anything about, you know, women's health knows is always a danger sign. It's never normal. Um, accounts of, you know, 10-year-old girls starting their first menstrual period right after being injected, and accounts of women passing very disturbing um, tissue, clots. Uh, so nothing normal about any of it. And, you know, two periods in one month, um, you know, and, and again, like, I don't need to like belabor this. It should be obvious to everyone. The nature of healthy women is that they have healthy menstrual cycles. And that is also key to it's the key to fertility so uh it was completely predictable that if women are having these kinds of symptoms of dysregulated menses there will be fertility problems and other problems hormonal you know mood problems you know soon and and down the road so um i began to be kind of suspended suspended when i was posting these uh warnings <clears throat> and then finally on on one day I was deplatformed permanently from Twitter um, soon after posting a, a, another warning, um, and that and and then on the receiving end, I I experienced something pretty shocking, which was kind of a global reputational attack, in which it seemed as if a Twitter spokesperson was handing tweets of mine that really no longer existed. They'd been immediately deleted by me because they were badly worded or. Um, 
you know, or they they were taken grossly out of context and kind of giving this file to it appeared right. We'll find out more in discovery to news outlets around the world um, and and many news outlets that I'd been writing for for 35 years. You know, some that I had columns with, some who are still syndicating me, uh, ran headlines basically suggesting that I was insane. So fast forward, I didn't know what was behind this, but um, in this uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago in 2022, America First Legal, which is Stephen Miller's um, legal entity, uh, had filed a lawsuit and a FOIA and re received a tranche of 268 documents that showed that a tweet of mine about menstrual harm is a perfectly accurate tweet. Um, and even a cautious one saying needs further investigation was in a an email communication between uh, CDC's Carol Crawford, who was the digital outreach director um, and 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 members of big tech companies, including Twitter, um, and that the subject was misinformation. And they she actually put out a B.O.L.O., -O, a be on the lookout. It's a it's a law enforcement term um for for you know tweets like mine and so and my name was there at you know not not just my tweet but my name so that's really scary it's scary to have been on the receiving end of seeing what a collusion an illegal conspiracy between you know the the cdc at the highest levels and the and and, and you know the biggest content companies in the world um twitter and it looked looked like Facebook as well could do to a single individual, peaceful individual, right? Doing my job. I'm not a terrorist. I'm not bringing fentanyl in from the border. I'm not holding people hostage. You know, I am literally a journalist doing what I've done for 35 years, which is women's health journalism. Um, so that's what happened to me. And then subsequent to that, another lawsuit um, by the uh, attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana, uh, disclosed another tranche of documents, this time from the White House to big tech companies. And my tweet was there as well. And the White House itself was communicating about the misinformation that had to be stamped out. I just want to read what you wrote. And th this is what was bothering them so much. You wrote, well, hundreds of women on this page say they are having bleeding slash clotting after vaccination or that they bleed oddly being around vaccinated women. Unconfirmed, needs more investigation, but lots of report, COVID-19 vaccine side effects. Yeah, and to add to that, my team of 3,500 experts, uh, medical and scientific experts who are going through the Pfizer documents have indeed found that Pfizer confirms that shedding is real and that shedding, that the, the vaccine is um, exposure is manifested through Pfizer's words, internal Pfizer documents, uh, inhalation and skin contact. So, you know, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm just noting that women are saying I work in close contact with this woman or I'm in a dorm and she's vaccinated and I'm having weird bleeding effects. We know that women, women's menses synchronize or affect each other, even in sororities, right? We've known that for years, it's not new. Um, so it's, I did not know that shedding was real when I raised this 
note that women were reporting this, but women don't lie, right? They don't lie at scale about what's happening to their bodies. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't even taking a position on that. I was just saying, here's a signal that needs to be looked at. And it turns out that it's true that you, your menstrual cycle can be affected by, you know, women around you and, and pe people are reporting other symptoms around vaccinated people. But this is not my opinion. It's Pfizer knew that the, the vaccine was transmitted through inhalation and body fluids and, and skin contact. Um, so there was literally nothing inaccurate or even fanciful about my tweet. And, but you know what, like leaving all of that aside, the history of women's health and, and medicine in relation to women's health for, for centuries is that medicine will be absolutely certain of things that are not true related to women. And then medicine only evolves when women themselves begin sharing stories about what's happening with their body. I mean, some examples are, well, certainly the transmission of purpural fever by the hands, unwashed hands of obstetricians in the 19th century. Semmelweis, who brought this up, was ostracized and stigmatized, you know, because the obstetricians didn't want to think that they themselves were bringing, you know, harm to their patients. Yeah. You know, or to the 20th century, thalidomide, vaginal mesh, silicone breast implants, high levels of estrogen and birth control pills, you know, anorexia and bulimia, you could go on and on. Um, it wasn't the medical establishment that said, hey, wait a minute, let's pull thalidomide from the market. It was women themselves, you know, or silicone well, breast Well, and those kids being born without limbs and so on too. I mean, there was something obviously going on. Of course, but I guess what I'm saying there is that it wasn't physicians or the pharmaceutical industry who led the charge right. when the damaged baby appeared, right? It, it always takes right. grass action and conversation. So um, I, I guess just what I would like to end this uh, peroration by saying is that what happened to me is scary and it remains super scary. But much more serious is what's happened to the women of the United States as a result of the White House and the CDC suppressing a conversation about these symptoms. Because now the work I'm doing with my 3,500 experts going through the Pfizer documents is showing, and this is the subject of my latest Substack, a catastrophic, um, uh, what can I say, attack on injury of millions of women um, in reproductive terms and, 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 and harms to their babies from these injections. What types of harms are we talking about? It's, by the way, it's very interesting. I went through those documents, those 268 documents, and it's so interesting that they're real focus on trying to quash misinformation is the vaccine shedding, mm -hmm. is uh, fertility issues, <laughs> and the dangers of the lipid nanoparticles. They're also concerned about the mag magnetism that people are reporting, you know, that uh, they can press a spoon up to their uh, injection site. So these are the things that really, that really uh, uh, bother them in the disinformation right. world or quote, you know, let's put that in uh, quotation marks, disinformation. Right. So and and the whole idea of putting together a bolo, it, I mean, this was a weekly 
wasn't it a weekly bolo meeting they would have bolo advisory meetings where they would look at all the uh they would look at all the postings and they would dis discuss uh what who had said what uh who should be uh deplatformed or whatever and the or other work yeah right. and the other thing that absolutely shocked me was facebook giving them $15 million worth of ad free ad campaign money. It, it actually, it's not money, it's credits so that they can post, you know, their quote information. Yeah. And, and YouTube, YouTube offering to promote their question and answer videos Again, but we're going to get back to because you have filed, uh, you have filed a complaint. Mm -hmm. well, let's talk about the complaint, and then I, I want to talk about. And this is crazy. They have to be made to prove that that you, you guys are putting out misinformation and that what they're saying is true. Because this is this is actually, I I think, very serious uh, for the public's health. It, it's it's beyond serious. Catastrophic um, almost. Well, Christina, and, and it's also very gendered, right? I mean, people who mm. are feminists have been silent um, with what's turning out to be a wholesale wreckage, um, discriminatory wreckage of, of women's health. And let me tell you what I mean. Um, you are right to look at what subjects were most upsetting that weekly set of meetings, right? Because I've been a political consultant um, and I was married to a White House speechwriter and, and I was a political consultant to a presidential campaign and to a vice president. And you don't, those topics don't just appear, right? They're, they're so much taxpayer money, so much thought, so much deliberation goes into identifying those themes um, and you know, getting sign off at the highest levels for those themes to be the ones that this group of people are focusing on. Uh, and, you know, they don't just throw things out there. It's not an emotional response, right? So you're right. And I was actually going to write about this next. It, to see reproductive harm, right, or fertility issues, um, lipid nanoparticles, magnetism, as the things that they're paying, and SM-102, I want to bring up, yeah. as the issues that they're paying so much attention to, if it was really just nonsense, taxpayer money couldn't be justified to be spent on it, right? They would just ignore it. If people were saying the vaccines make you float to the moon, they would just ignore it, right? So you really, in my 35 years as a reporter, when resources are spent at the highest levels and policy is bent to address certain issues, that's smoke where there is fire. So, and it's very clear to me because now I've seen this issue, I've seen what the White House was doing at the same period that I've seen what Pfizer was doing and the FDA, right? From looking at the reports from the, the Pfizer analysis teams that I'm working with. So the FDA knew, thus the CDC knew and the White House knew Early on, before they deplatformed me, before these bolos, before these weekly meetings, that um, there were 
horrible, horrible reproductive harms um, affecting mammals with this vaccine, right? They knew that. They knew that, um, and, and that there was a special focus on reproduction in the Pfizer documents. And they, in the Pfizer documents, Christina, in the Pfizer documents, we just have a report about this by Dr. Robert Chandler, who's one of our most distinguished volunteers. He's a, a, a peer reviewer. He treated, he was a sports medicine physician, treated the Lakers and the Angels, super serious person. He's found 20 different names for messed up menstruation in the Pfizer documents. I mean, literally things that you've never heard of women suffering before, you know. Uh, like what? Well, I mean, I mean, this will so many things. I mean, you know, m multiple periods in a month, um, uh, periods that last two weeks. Uh, uh, many women are reporting the passing of tissue. I mean, I don't want to get too gross, but they're like telegram groups. And someone sent me one of these pictures. I haven't verified it in my inbox. It was horrific. You know, like pieces of women are kind of falling out of them in their in their menses, right? Um, uh, uh, sh uh, the, the casting of the uterine lining, um, uh, you know, in inflammation of the uterus. Um, I, I mean, you know, too little menstruation, uh, pink menses, menses changing color. You know, there are even like, there are news articles now, like what's wrong with my period? Women are having gray, green blood, you know? I mean, like it in no way is this not a, complete ruination of women. But the point is the Pfizer documents reveal that women account for 72% of the adverse events in the Pfizer documents, of which 16% are reproductive disorders. Pfizer's words, reproductive disorders. And, and then the charts in the Pfizer documents that Dr. Chandler has broken out in, in graphs show catastrophic levels of bad things happening to your menstrual cycle compared to point um, four, nine percent, you know, 16 percent compared to 0.49 percent for men. Right. Of reproductive. Wow. So this is an attack on women's bodies. It's an attack on women's bodies. And they knew it. So it is a total smoking gun that they were like, OK, we have to stamp out any discussion of women having problems with their periods because they knew women were having problems with their periods. They already knew that. Um, and they knew it would result in fertility issues, which I'll get to in a minute. But I mean, I just want to note the other things they're singling out. You know, it's not my my thing that I'm focused on because I'm so focused on the fertility uh, signals and the Pfizer documents. And of course, now the White House and the CDC papers. But SM-102 is a carcinogen. It's an OSHA level carcinogen. And it's been very hard to uh, lock down if, in fact, the Moderna vaccine contains SM-102. Um, but the fact that they're focused on SM-102 and the fact that people are having cancers roaring back, you know, after getting injected. I mean, I know a woman who's now stage four lung cancer after right after the Moderna shot and her, you know, she had been fine. You know, so many cancers, tumors. Um, you know, why are they focused on SM-102? If it's not there, you know, it's not there. Big deal. Um, I don't even want to go into the other the other. Uh, you know, rabbit holes that they were focused on. But to me, the fact that they were so focused on stamp out this respected 35 year eight bestseller, world famous feminist talking about 
you know, the stuff she's talked about for 35 years, women's health issues, got to silence her, got to smear her. Uh, and then it and it turns out they absolutely knew that there was something big there. Um, this is this is a massive crime against the women of the United States. And, and I'll fast forward to you ask the question, what are we finding? Well, it's we found in the Pfizer documents a 360 degree attack on human reproduction, um, everything from the Pfizer documents. And this is the subject of my latest Substack, So I'd refer people to that. Uh, the Pfizer documents show that they asked men in the trials who were having sex with childbearing age women to either abstain or to use a condom and another effective birth control, right? So they did not want, they were so focused on some knowledge that um, conception with a vaccinated man, you know, is going to be risky um, or pose some sort of problem. They identify exposure to the vaccine. I mentioned shedding skin contact inhalation. They also said sexual intercourse, especially at conception. That's that's their language, their language. They knew it did something to sperm, to babies, to fetuses, to ova. All right. Um, they, uh, God, there's so much. The lipid nanoparticles don't stay in the injection site. We were you know, sworn that they do. They travel to uh, everywhere in the body within 15 minutes and they lodge, and this confirms you're not probably nodding because it confirms the Japanese biodistribution study of a year ago. It lodges in spleen, adrenals, liver, but it also lodges in the ovaries and the lipid nanoparticles. This is so important for women. The, Dr. Chandler showed that with one injection, it goes up like that into the ovaries with another, it goes up like that, but there's no mechanism that we've seen in the Pfizer documents for the lipid nanoparticles to leave the ovaries. So now you're getting boosters, you're packing your ovaries and your ova, right? Which you only have so many of from the time you're a tiny baby girl um, with a, 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 an industrial fat product covered in polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct, right? You're packing it in, packing it in. There's no visible way it leaves the ova. So women are having horrible menstrual problems. Of course, they're having horrible menstrual problems. Um, in addition, the lipid nanoparticles are inflammatory. So they're in, and they've been known to be inflammatory for 10 years. So they're inflaming the ova. They're also inflaming the uterus. And Dr. Uh, Dr. James Thorpe gave me a terrifying interview in which he showed me this netting of calcifications that he's seeing in the placentas of his vaccinated uh, patients who are pregnant. And the netting of calcifications is caused, he believes, by the inflammation from the lipid nanoparticles. But the lipid nanoparticles are designed to cross every barrier in the human body, every membrane. So women were told it can't cross the placenta, it can't cross the placenta. It's designed to cross the placenta as well as the blood-brain barrier. So that, you know, that material is entering the amniotic fluid. It's, it's compromising where the baby is growing. So he's seeing fetal restrictions. Um, anecdotally, uh, uh, nurses are talking about how they have to deliver babies of vaccinated moms early because the placentas are compromised. Um, breast milk, the, the Pfizer documents show that uh, the injections affect the breast milk. They, of course, the polyethylene glycol gets into the breast milk um, and the mRNA has now been found to get into the breast milk. So tiny babies, are, and this is now confirmed by an NIH study, 
um, tiny babies are, so four of the women nursing in the Pfizer documents, their breast milk turned blue green and one baby died of seizures from having nursed uh, from a, a vaccinated mother, at least one baby. That's the only one we know about. Um, but but other, other babies of vaccinated moms in the VARS database that Israeli women journalists have found, they also are having convulsions and, and dying. So these tiny babies are, are, are nursing on breast milk tainted with a, an ingredient that is in antifreeze, right? That's PEG. So of course, they're having the symptoms that the NIH study shows, sleeplessness, agitation, failure to thrive. Um, they're inconsolable. Of course, they're inconsolable. And breastfeeding has dropped from 34% of moms to 14%. So, you know, your baby is like desperately crying, avoiding the breast, avoiding the breast. They're not getting that colostrum. I mean, the breast milk is tainted. And what we don't know, because these lipid nanoparticles and the MRA, it goes into the mom, right? But then it goes into the baby girl. So we don't know if this is going to continue into the next generation, right? We don't, and as Dr. Thorpe said, he doesn't even know if those if those ova are alive anymore, right? That we don't know, right? We don't know. We know there's a baby die off, and this was something else that got me attacked. You know, when I started talking about it, um, data are coming in from Scotland showing a doubling of the rate of neonatal death. Um, in Ontario, 86 babies died, according to one doctor, when they usually have five or six. In Israel, it's a 34% rise in one hospital of um, newborns uh, dying or, or uh, spontaneous abortion. Um, in, the, in the Pfizer documents, there's a, a, an 85% miscarriage rate in one section of the documents. Of 34 women followed to term, 28 of their babies died. The other 234 women who got pregnant during the trials, they lost the results. They, there are no results, which is illegal. They're just gone. They, we don't even know what happened to them. So it could be even, could be even higher. We don't know. Um, but 28 of the 34 babies died. Um, men, uh, the journal Andrology showed that the injection drops the sperm count and sperm motility of men. But um, we also found, Amy Kelly found that it you know, the lipid nanoparticles, of course, go through every membrane. So they go into the testes and they inflame the epididymis, which is where the sperm has to travel. But they also go into and damage the Leydig cells and their, the Sertoli cells. And these are like the factories of masculinity. And this is where testosterone is generated. So the, the things that, you know, it's not just the sperm count and sperm motility. It's the very things that turn little boys into teenage boys into men that are being um, negative, degraded, you know, by these injections, each one more, each one more, it appears. Um, I mean, I, I could go, I could go on and on. Oh, well, I'll just end by saying, it's not just the, um, the testes, it's the penis too. Uh, Amy Kelly, and I just, as a woman, I find it interesting that I've been reporting all these horrific harms to women's reproduction and women's menses and women's breast milk. Uh, but it was when we started putting out the testicles damage and penile damage that the, you know, everyone's like, oh, Sit Denmark, take yeah. or, you know, the, the pandemic is over. <laughs> it's like, but um, there's something called penile, penile thrombocytopenia, where there's horrific swelling of the uh, of course, the penis is a vascular system, right? And an erection is a vascular event. And 
so if you've got all these clots, um, you know, and all this swelling, it's going to affect the penis. Obviously, that's just no mechanism could prevent it from affecting the penis negatively. So there are horrific, there's horrific serious injury to the penis from in, in the Pfizer documents from, uh, from these injections. Um, and I guess that I've covered the main points of this, except to say in kind of concluding that what's very, very, very creepy about the Pfizer documents and especially creepy for me as a, as a Jewish woman, um, whose grandmother lost nine brothers and sisters to the Holocaust. There is an obsessive focus in the Pfizer documents on sexuality and reproduction. In other words, they injected the female rats and didn't inject the male rats. And then they sacrificed both and uh, studied that the reproductive tissue cells of both, right? So they're looking at the tiny rat you know, testes, they're looking at the tiny rat ova and uteruses. Um, they're, they're so focused on, on reproduction. And, and it, I mean, it's, it's a crime against fertility that is not just like, oops, we rolled something out that has these bad side effects for women and for fertility, let's recall it, but like month after month after month, oh, you know, here are all these data from 42,000 people showing that hundreds and hundreds of women are suffering these 20 different ways of their menses being ruined. You, let's keep going. You know, oh, you know, it wasn't until like a year later that they even acknowledged that women were having abnormal menses. Um, you know, we know, oh, we know that, um, you know, there's exposure to the vaccine through uh, ejaculation. Let's look at the, you know, reproductive tissues of these male rats and these female rats, and we haven't injected the male rats, so we can say there's no problem with the, you know, with with men and sexuality. I mean, that's the kind of science that's in the document. So it's a it's a crime of of massive proportions that extends for 14 months and is ongoing, and they all know it. They know it. And, and we don't even know if the babies, the last thing I will say, I promise, is um, there are reports from mothers groups now that the babies born, you know, to these in injected mothers who are now about 10 months old, right, are slow with their milestones. They're crawling slowly. They're sitting up slowly. Um, and I'm just going to say this last thing, and then I promise I'll stop. Think about the babies around you. Think about the babies you've seen in the last few months, they don't look the same. They're, they're impassive, right? You used to look at a baby's face and the baby would be like, I'm a baby, I'm smiling at you, I'm relating to you. These babies, most of them, they are pretty unresponsive. They're pretty impassive. God, that is so bizarre. I mean, it, what you're describing here it sounds to me like a depopulation campaign, honestly. I mean, I and I was reading these statistics. I forget the name of the guy who was talking about how in Taiwan, where they had this very uh, comprehensive vaccine uh, campaign and everybody got their vaccine, their population has gone down to 23% or their conception or whatever has gone down 23% uh, 
since the vaccines were rolled out and other countries are experiencing a similar dip. You're absolutely right. Igor Chudov on Substack has done a lot of good work on this. And there is a global drop, as you mentioned, of about that range, you know, 20 to 23 percent in highly vaccinated countries. My independent research has found that the BioNTech injections are made in an MOU with the Chinese Communist Party and a company called Fosun Pharmaceuticals out of Shanghai. And there was a 100% tech transfer to China of the IP in 2021, according to the SEC filing. So whatever's, you know, it, it originated with like the, the virus originated with China, the vaccine is being manufactured with oversight by China, the IP in the vaccine is owned by China. Clearly, it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I've been calling it a bioweapon. Um, and it's very, very easy to manipulate um, who dies or who gets really sick based on things as simple as brands with Moderna three times as toxic, according to the Pfizer documents, as as Pfizer. Um, it's got three more than three times the active ingredients. Um, or or even room temperature, because if you just leave the materials out more than two hours out of deep refrigeration, they, they solidify or they turn into a gel. So you can really harm people very easily. So, um, and now we're finding that China, you know, and is directing and, and surveilling the back end of TikTok and the back end of Twitter, you know, these, these, whistleblowers have come forward and there have been hearings in Congress. So to me, looking at things geopolitically, as I've been trained to do, it's obviously an attack by China with the support of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum. They want our land. They want our natural resources. They don't want our population. And, and these, you know, I hate to say depopulation agenda because it sounds so extreme, but that's that's the effect of what we're looking at. And, and in the Pfizer documents that the adverse events are grossly disproportionately in the United States and Western Europe. So oh, it's, really? it's not, yes. So, you know, the effect of it is Western Europe and North America become sterile and you just re replace those people with maybe other people who, who haven't been injected with the same material. And then you've gotten rid of something very troubling for um, global tyrants, which Western and specifically American tradition of human rights. Right, right. So you filed you filed a, a complaint yourself, right? When you heard oh, about this. Of course, yes. May I just add a yeah. caveat that this is, what I just sketched out is not a race-based anxiety. I'm a daughter of immigrants. I believe in, I'm thoroughly anti-racist. It's a, a a geopolitical analysis based on the disproportion. Oh, I I I don't know. That didn't cross my mind. <laughs> no, I had a uh, a conversation with a an Israeli lawyer, um, Ruth Machnes, who was, of course, uh, she filed. She and her husband they filed a complaint against the Israeli government, the health minister, for the vaccines because you know they were saying that the vaccines were dangerous and killing people and so on. Mm -hmm. And and I and I said to Ruth, you know, I said Ruth, you know, I just don't get the Israelis buying this like this. I mean, look, they went through the Holocaust for God's sake. Why would they? Why would they go along with this? And she said, you know, Christina. The government 
uses the Holocaust to say, we would never do something right. like that to you. Right. We love you. You are our people. Right. But, but they've gone and done it, you know, and it's so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. And, and anyway, let's talk about your, your complaint. Sure. And after that, I just want to talk about how do these people get called to account, Naomi? How? Uh, well, let me tell you about my complaint. I can't go into too much detail, A, because I'm not a lawyer, and B, because my lawyer has advised me not to go into too much detail. Right, okay. but, um, I know that uh, the complaint was filed, and I know that Twitter is due to respond. So we're uh, you know, and, and I have very good lawyers. They're um, the ones who uh, su succeeded in their lawsuit against the Biden administration to take masks off of passengers if they wished um, on public transportation. So they know what they're doing. And um, I, you know, it's a pretty, it, it, lawyers who have observed what happened to me believe it's a pretty open and shut case because private companies you know, can do whatever they want, right? In terms of suppressing speech, terms and conditions. But the government, the government is not supposed to suppress the First Amendment rights of citizens. It's illegal, right? right? right. So, and the, the, the evidence is right there. Um, another really creepy thing that my husband, who's a private investigator noticed is that Andy Slavitt's email in the, most recent release, which showed the White House communications, appears to be a WHO email rather than a White House email. And that's um, a super gigantic security breach. That's so yeah. interesting. I can't help but feel that everything that a lot of things that that Biden is pushing through and protect, I mean, first of all, what's happened here, you know, this colluding CDC colluding with the uh, these big tech companies to censor people and and to put out misinformation themselves. And to me, that's the big issue. The big issue is how do you get to showing the public that they're actually suppressing the truth so that they can lie to you so that and, and they keep saying, they want to eliminate vaccine hesitancy. That's the whole thing. The whole ball game is we got to get people to take those vaccines. And even now, with Biden having declared, uh, he declared the pandemic over. Right. By accident, probably. <laughs> and they're still saying, got to keep taking those vaccines. I, I Somebody, was it Fauci? Who was it was saying, oh, every six months or every three months of vaccine? And I just thought to myself, this is so... This is this is committing a crime right in front of people. Right. But I mean, Christina, think about. Think about what I've shared with you about the cumulative effect of lipid nanoparticles, yeah. which industrial fats. Right. You take another and you take another and you take another. And sooner or later, you're just dead or disabled with no fingerprints. It's a long kill. It's a long murder, you know, yeah. it does, it, it's not a gunshot, but it's a, and in the meantime, you know, the, the medical community can make some money off of your, you know, dying body. 
like treating you whatever you know i mean it's just exactly and we're see i mean we're seeing that we're hurtling toward a euthanasia society um i i gather there are bills in canada or maybe it's happening i just read about it this morning to stop criminalizing euthanasia i've seen of the elderly i've seen um i've seen the bills uh that passed uh in california and in maryland to not criminalize letting newborns die you ask me like how do we bring these people to justice you know christina i've said this before i you know i'm trained as a secular critical thinker but what we're seeing now globally is a level of coordinated evil that i cannot explain in human terms right i can only explain it in spiritual terms and um so the, the solution i don't think human beings can round up all these criminals right i don't think there are enough courts in the world to um prosecute and convict the people the millions of people who have colluded in this particular uh global crime and who are still doing it every day um so i feel that we are in a, and I don't think like this ordinarily, right? So I just want to say I'm not a proselytizer. I'm not a religious fanatic. But thinking very analytically, I think we're in a new kind of historical era in which there is a spiritual dimension actively engaging in human affairs, leading us to a situation in which we have to choose which side we're on and in which it's a thoroughgoing battle between good and evil. And um, so personally, I just pray all the time because I don't I don't think you know with all my platform all the organizing I've done all the good leaders in the world I don't think we can get out of this without the help of something bigger than this dark force that has been unleashed on the world and I guess what's reassuring to me is that you know I've been trying to understand it because I'm Jewish and our faith tradition doesn't really have a Satan you know, except very pleadingly, sketchily, uh, you know, we don't really have even a, we don't have a, a elaborated vision of evil the way like Catholicism does. But Orthodox Jews, I'm going to read more, you know, Kabbalah, because there is something called like the Amalek. Uh, the Amalek, yeah. Right. And I, I know very little about it, but I'm going to find out. But it's basically, and it's not that weird, right? Like in in the Jewish tradition, we say, and I thought this was kind of pro forma, in every generation, they've riven, risen up against us and sought to destroy us. And that's kind of true, right? But I just thought it was kind of bad luck, you know, ethnically or whatever. But maybe there really is a kind of, you know, in Job, I think Satan is called the accuser. Maybe there is an antagonistic force that is just hostile to humanity and wants to mess it up and ruin it and destroy it and all the things that are being ruined are the things that bring us closest to god or the god in us right family love you know our bodies made in the image of god um closeness nursing touch right these are all being ruined well maybe there is an amalek energy in the world that's just for whatever reason historically been set free they have tried to destroy Naomi, um, but she's still standing. They've gone after Kennedy. They've gone after me. They've gone after Kulov, McCullough, <clears throat> Malone, Rich, Tenenbaum. They've gone after us. Why? Because 
we are we are actually just talking the science. Whether well, we and people are listening, and yes. they want the vaccine gravy train to continue, and yes. it's because they're obsessed with getting people vaccinated. They're obsessed with it. Well, the and, thing, yeah, no, you're right, and and the thing about it is with a gene injection that we saw very early on fail. It failed in terms of effectiveness. It failed in terms of it was harmful and we saw the harms that were occurring. You can't tell me that you're going to take a 15-year process, 12 to 15 years, and boil it down to four months. I mean, many of these trials were conducted over 10 weeks. And you want to tell me that the vaccine is safe? As I, I mean, speak, all the dead people that have that are accumulating all the time are are proof of that. And even the, I, I mean, I'm worried about the long term, like the cancers and 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 I, I guess I don't know. There there's statistics coming out now on fertility that are kind yes, of yes. That's where that's where Naomi's a demon to them because first of all, she's a feminist and she's been a staunch feminist all her life, and uh, she's defended you know, this special place of women. But what a lot of people don't know until you pry a little bit is, she's probably one of the most credentialed people out there above and beyond most of these scientists who see talking. Naomi attended Oxford. She's a Rhodes Scholar. She's a, Naomi Wolf is at the top of the top of the top. And, um, when you hear her speak, you realize the academic depth. You hear the breath in terms of science. But the work that she does when she pulls it together and the team she has, with, I mean, she depends on a lot of people to roll up a lot of stuff for her. And she is like the messenger. But at the same time, she's a very skilled and smart lady. And they don't like that. We still live in a patriarchal world. Let's be blunt. This is a patriarchal world. They don't have a role or a position for smart, educated women. It intimidates men. That's a fact. Well, also, I think the fact that a woman is talking about woman. The, the terrible women's issues that are arising from these vaccines, like all the bleeding and so on, and, and, and ultimately the fertility issues. And then all of a sudden you have these, these statistics from these different countries, you know, from Germany. Well, well this is Taiwan, this is why this is why there was this issue. There was this issue recently where this guy, where um, a report went out that we we're looking at. We we're trying to make sense of it because a lot of these scientific reports. We, listen, we get like a thousand different pieces of data a day, and we have to between trying to write and to give interviews like this one. So you always strapped for time and. Um, so Naomi had put out something, I remember this, it's very interesting as to show you the garbage that she has to deal with, but to show you her potency. Um, this guy, uh, um, what's his name again? Berenson, attacked her on Who's Twitter. Who is that? Berenson, who's that? He's one of these writers, a health reporter. Oh, okay. But, but what was fascinating is he's saying, oh, your, your team probably made a mistake in this, this, this table or whatever. But he, if you read his words in this tweet, you could see that his words were sweeping and uh, like a, it wasn't just a swat. It was, 
It was trying to destroy her name and her career. And I sat back and I read it and I said, but I had to respond because I said, but how dare you as a man? You don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Take on Naomi when she's waging a battle for women and their safety and, the, and, the, and, the, and their fertility concerns, even fertility concerns for men, because we're finding that the mRNA and the lipid nanoparticle and spike accumulates on horns, horns into the testes and the epididymis, et cetera, and sperm count has dropped, motility, et cetera. You would showcase someone like Naomi and stand up, and then you have people like Berenson attacking her. So this is my point. My point is she's a threat because she's smart, she's articulate, she's very brave, and um, I give her a lot of credit. Well, and, I and she's gathered, she's gathered so much expertise from around the world, and they're you know the way that they have been analyzing the Pfizer. Oh, yes, a, a team documents has been is, is informing us a lot of us out there we, we're reading what they're doing and we have we're getting a jump start so we could then expand more look at the end of the day the decisions was to attack us and come at us because they thought that they could pull off this heist i call it a heist and that and that we also would succumb to it and be quiet there have been a 10 to 12 of us globally from the beginning we probably lost a couple in the sense of have stepped back, but we're still out there battling because at the end of the day, it's about informing the people. And what is fascinating is shows like yours have done so much for the public because today, John Public out there is as informed as their medical doctor or scientist. And they know exactly what's going on. You can't fool the public. That's why Kaiser did a, um, a survey recently when FDA about a month after Two months after FDA did this approval of the injection and CDC rubber stamped it for children six months to five years old. And what they found was just about 4% of parents have elected to give their children in that age group the vaccine. That means, well, first of all, that's 4% too much. It should yeah. have been zero. Right. But that means, though, that American parents have clued in and understand that there's a risk. So we are getting through, but it's not just us. People are, American people are doing critical thinking and they're looking at all of the players here and, and most of it doesn't add up. So huge praise to them.